what happens when death goes crazy because it was tied up by one of its siblings. It turns into a three-headed hydra of entropy, death, and destruction, that's what. Today we're talking about the worm. Hello everyone, welcome to the Maple Table, my name's Nathaniel. This is a channel where we discuss lore around some of your favorite role-playing games such as Starfinder, Werewolf the Apocalypse. If that's something you're interested in, I would love to have you join me at the table. If you didn't understand the joke that I just made, then I will suggest you check out the video that I did on the Weaver up here. Link will also be in the description below. Outside of Gaia, the Triat, the Wild, the Worm, and the Weaver are the three greatest spirits that exist in this spiritual hierarchy. And there's also a name that's given to the three heads of the worm, and they are more of a perversion of the original concepts of the Wild and the Weaver. Each head of the worm has its own name. It is referred to collectively as the Triadic Worm, but you will also find that the names of the individual heads are Worm of Calamity, Worm of Consumption, and Worm of Corruption. In the Guru history and some of the other changing breed histories, they all tell the same story, but they tell it in very different ways. The three spirits, the Triat, were responsible for creation, preservation, and destruction of life. Depending on who you ask, they would tell you that Gaia created the three, some would tell you that they always existed, and others would tell you that they were created one after the other in a logical order. Whatever the case, life still does have a beginning and an end and an order in between it. Some mages or the ascended might even call this entropy. It also goes by another name and that would be oblivion. And that's a whole other space that you really don't want to be involved with. Entropy is the force of destruction, decay, death. And in its ideal form, it also represents purity. Entropy is also representative of the worm, as that is the worm's duty. It was the worm's job as part of the triad to complete the cycle of life. The wild created, the weaver made order, and the worm completed the life cycle. It consumed, it destroyed. Everything needs to have an end. But since the worms slip into madness, entropy is actually a very dangerous thing now. It has been tainted and corrupted now by the essence of the worm. When the worm lost control after Weaver had imprisoned it, worm thrashed about. It was very much unhappy with this situation and it was trying to get out of this. The Weaver was sick of the worm's destructive capabilities and messing up its perfect order, or what it perceived to be its perfect order. And the worm, in response to losing its place in the cosmos, losing this balance, drove itself to insanity and split itself into three parts, thus creating the triadic worm. The Croatan also have a connection to the triadic worm, and I will talk about them in a little bit. The first head of the triadic worm is called Beast of War. It is called the Younger Brother by the Pure Tribes. It is a monster of boundless and endless rage, and it seeks to, unsurprisingly, destroy everything in its path. The Beast of Warhead would actually have similar powers to that of the Wild, were it not bound by the Weaver. Albeit it would have a corrupted version of this. Its limitless rage fuels this head onward, and it has a destructive instinct that will guide it along its path. It's this rage that it draws its creativeness from. 
The Beast of War Head also has many, many minions that it controls, its forces of destruction. They range themselves from self-destructive shock troops that would kamikaze and explode in their enemies, and they go all the way up to giant hulking monsters. On the human side of things, Beast of War can take what would be healthy competition and turn it into a brutal battle. Friends become enemies over trivial things, or what would start out as trivial things. And during the Banestorm event, the Beast of War minions were unleashed on Europe, the Middle East, and Asia. Eater of Souls is the second head of the Triadic Worm. This one is called Middle Brother by the Pure Tribes. And the Croatan have another name for this, and I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation, but I'm going to give it a shot anyways. Jepijkam. I probably killed it, but the spelling will be right over here. The Eater of Souls is the Worm of Consumption, and it feasts and gorges on matter, spirit energy, spirits, anything that it finds delicious and satisfies the tummy. Eater of Souls holds humanity as a special case for them. It really, really likes them. Not only are they delicious, they also have lots of nutritious food for worm spirits who want to feed on corruption. In the 16th century, the Eater of Souls nearly brought about the apocalypse. It had drawn so much power from the disease and the hunger that was running rampant in the New World. It had drawn enough power that it was able to actually breach the gauntlet and come into the physical world. And where it had actually broken through and come into the physical world was at a tribe of the Croatan. Under a desperate circumstance, the Croatan tribe was actually able to banish this spirit back to the Malpheus, but it cost them everything. The entire tribe got together and performed a rite, and this rite was so severe that it cut them off from their totem. It also prevented any kinfolk from giving birth to any more or new Croatan. With no connection to their totem, it just went to sleep. And when their totem had actually gone to sleep, it rendered all of their magical items useless. The ancestor spirits were also gone. They had no connection to them anymore. The Eater of Souls consumed them. It also consumed their spiritual essence as well. And this led to the ultimate downfall of the Croatan tribe. I know I haven't really talked about them. If there's enough interest in them, I'll see what I can do about putting together a video on the Croatan. Despite the massive cost to the Croatan and everything that they sacrificed, all that they were able to do was banish the spirit back to the realm from which it came. They didn't hurt it, they didn't destroy it, they just sent it back home. Before we talk about the Defiler Worm and some of the lesser known Urge Worms, the channel crossed a major milestone last week. We crossed 1,000 subscribers. Thank you everyone who subscribed to the channel to make this possible. I never really thought when I started out that a thousand of you would think what I had to say was interesting. Nor did I think I would have as many patrons as I do right now. There are three of you. Caneroot, Warpony, Duckminster, thank you so much for your above and beyond support. The last head is the Defiler Worm, and this is the head of corruption. It's a little interesting because this head represents a mockery of the worm itself. The Defiler Worm is actually able to see inside your thoughts and know what your weakness is and exploit it. 
once it's gotten a hold of you, it will play to your weaknesses, play to the things that draw you that maybe you shouldn't, and it will make you take more and more risks as it calls you with its siren song. Some of the Shadow Lords and the Uktena, they believe that the first victim of the Defiler Worm was the Defiler Worm itself. They believe that the Defiler Worm is driven by its endless self-loathing. And they also believe, maybe correctly, that if the Defiler Worm was to corrupt everything, that is how it will restore balance. And during the Banestorm, its minions were actually released in Asia. Some ways that you can see the influence of the Defiler Worm comes from mages who try to summon powers that are greater than them. It also manifests itself in some arrogance of werewolves who think they can control spirits greater than them. A tribe who also succumbed to the influence of the Defiler Worm would be the White Howlers, and I will do a video on them later. But suffice to say, they thought they could just go into the Spiral Labyrinth to grab some forbidden knowledge which they could then use in the fight against the worm. You know who else is under the influence of the Defiler Worm? Pentex. A lot of the influence of Pentex and its operations can be traced back to the influence of these three worm heads. There are so many creatures and there is so much worm influence that needs to be managed. That is why the three heads now exist. They now control these worm minions. The Eater of Souls is being fed from the foulness of the world. And there's a lot of foulness that's going around right now. Beasts of War uses its influence to start fights, instigate riots. A lot of the things that we've seen happen in North America right now, you could trace back to the Defiler Worm. And the Defiler Worm rejoices in the suffering on the minds and souls of people everywhere. And each of these heads controls an army of not only malicious spirits, but urge worms as well. Urge worms are a little lower on the hierarchy. They're not as powerful as the worm-headed triad, but they are still very, very dangerous in their own rights. And as these urge worms, they will take on powerful emotions. They will take on corrupted elements. For example, you have urge worms of hate, urge worms of lust and fear, as well as many other powerful emotions. You will also have urge worms that take on corrupted elements. Balefire is one of these such examples, and it has also affected the Rokea, and I have done a video on the Balefire sharks, which I will link up here and in the description below. When you start to factor all of these other influences, the urge worms, the triadic worm, the worm itself, the worm as a whole, is actually more like a hydra than it is a triad and each head is near impossible to sever. The worm repeatedly lives events that have happened. It is reliving its past, its torturous past. And with it being stuck in the Malpheus, there really isn't anywhere that it can go. It's trapped physically in the Malpheus, but it is also trapped in a prison of the mind. It's desperately trying to figure out what went wrong with the cosmos and what it can do to correct it. The only saving grace for reality is that each of these three heads of the worm have their own personalities, their own goals and motivations. They are not aligned. However, if the three heads were to ever start cooperating, I believe that would be highly unlikely, but if they were, it is said that these three would become powerful enough to swallow Gaia whole. The worm is interesting and made out to be the de facto bad guy in much of Guru lore 
and the way that everything's written. But the worm, I would argue, is more of a victim of the weaver. If the weaver hadn't decided to go crazy and get mad at the worm for destroying all of its stuff, none of this would really happen. But because it has been trapped for so long, the influence, the corruption, the ill intent has just been there for so long, it has really built up a horde of unpleasantness. And it's through this unpleasantness that you can throw a lot at your players. There's lots of ideas that you can use in the Book of the Worm, which I have behind me, and I will also have some affiliate links in the descriptions below. You can also look at creating some of your own insidious monsters, things that would be attached to maybe a strong emotion or maybe powerful spirits that have affected current events. It is very easy to integrate these into stories that you would like to tell. The worm is always good for being an influence for your baddies, but don't make him the actual big baddie because your party will most likely never ever fight it. Nor do you want to have death just disappear. That's bad for everybody. Thank you so much for your support. My name's Nathaniel. You've been watching The Maple Table. Thank you so much for your subscription. Thanks for stopping by, everyone.